are back. You're listening to You Would Think, the Philadelphia Flyers podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Collington, and joining me to get today, once and again, it's Mr. Kevin Derso. How are you, buddy? I'm doing all right. How are you? <sighs> it's been an interesting week. Um, <laughs> so we're just going to jump right into it. The, the first story we're talking about today is the fact that the Flyers have been officially eliminated from the playoff race. Oh, okay. So I this was is something that we have we have known is coming for quite a long time at this point. Well, yes, but so I was going to start by saying it's it hasn't been that bad of a week for me because of the fact that I I don't hate those three day gaps between games. Sometimes it's kind of a nice pause. Okay. So I'm not complaining about you know the game that was Sunday after we recorded the last show, Tuesday, and then a big gap until you get to Saturday. Now, of course, there is another one on Sunday, you know, after we record this one. So, you know, I, I guess... Yeah, we're going to miss know, that in, one. <laughs> but I, I, I guess we're still in, you know, we could, we're in the home stretch of it, so to speak. I get it. But, like, you know, the fact that this was even, like, I don't even know if there was much of a precursor to this other than that when the day of the game actually hit that was like, oh, yeah, by the way, if they lose in regulation, they're officially eliminated. Right. Like, and, there wasn't much of a tracker for it. When Not when you lose 10 in a row once and then 13 in a row like right people, and, the, and you fire your coach you know like the, all the other signs of being eliminated by november and december <laughs> was pretty much on the table yeah. so you know i don't like it was only and, a formality right and the mindset has clearly already begun to change we've already seen the new guys start coming up start making a difference uh when when we acquired claude Gir- or uh owen tippett for claude Giroux, uh he came straight to the nhl even though he was playing in the ahl in florida um, we've seen some rookies start to come up and make some debuts. Uh, you know, we've seen Hayden Hodgson come in, right? And these are guys that you're not necessarily expecting to see if the team is scrapping for yeah. points down the stretch. I'm, I'm I'm agreeing with you. I'm just laughing at the part in my head. I'm going, yeah, we've seen Hayden Hodgson, and then we've seen Hayden Hodgson get scratched for Nate Thompson. So you know, but, fair, but you know, okay. he joins he joins a long list of guys who have been scratched for Nate Thompson, and I don't know how many of them deserved it. <laughs> Yeah, I guess so. Uh, I mean, by the I, way, uh, Nate Thompson's back from injury. We we don't have a slide about that if you're watching on our YouTube yeah. channel, but I, I figured I'd mention it here. <laughs> and fun. in case you can't tell, uh, the mindset has clearly already begun to change here on the podcast too. You know, we've talked about it before that we're already starting to think summer and uh, off season and towards the future. So these uh, these young guys are kind of the only thing. They're they're really the only reason I'm watching the games these days. That that and to see the development of the current guys, right? How's Joel Farabee playing? Uh, first line center, by the way. We might touch on that a little later. Um, we we did you know. do that last week about how he was playing center. I mean, I guess the fact that he's first line makes a difference. I do think it's interesting. And again, we don't have a slide for this one either. But no, you know, um, like Nate Thompson's back in. And Scott Lawton was cleared to play, but they're being very cautious with him. I mean, for a couple seconds, I mean, he basically almost went from what sounded like out for the season to cleared to play in like two days, which is really it, interesting. Like, it's they, really weird how really nagging stuff some kind of sometimes just kind of clears up. They really talked about him though, like he was done or close yep. to done. Like we might not bring him back, which you kind of can't argue against because it's like, listen, don't force the issue with a certain guy. Like you really shouldn't do it. Well, right, and at this stage of this career, he's not. Like we know what Kev, or Scott Lawton is like, he's not um, he's not earning anything extra by playing in these last twenty meaningless games. Like it doesn't change his spot on the team next year. Right. Let him sit. If we'd rather have him come back one hundred percent healthy, the right? Problem and the problem with that is, and I know I've said it before, and I know it's you know, is it the rust? 
No, it's it's that this is the attitude that they have though. If they're able to, they want to. They want even to if play they're out of it, even if they're you know, they still want to. So, man, and I understand know. that. But I don't know. But you know what? I think there's always a little bit of extra pop in the building when Toronto's in town, right? Especially yeah, I mean, especially when Wayne Simmons scores a goal. Come on now. Yeah. Okay. Well, yes, and there were. Definitely a good number of uh, like cheers mixed with you know like, people are gonna boo sometimes and and listen we can sit there and say that the mix was partially because there was a good representation of Toronto fans in the building I'm not gonna deny of that. course they're a team that travels well we talked about that on our last show but I think there were people who quite honestly were not disappointed at all that he scored a goal no I would return, if, listen if I was in the building if I was in the building I would have cheered absolutely it's Wayne Simmons come on. Like, hello, right. and come on, and he threw down for the hometown crowd. He knew where he was. Well, that, that's why. That's why when he attempts to go after Zach McEwen in the first period, you knew it wasn't over. Oh yeah, and the place goes ballistic, and you know you get Wayne. And he Simmons. had, a, and and you know, you know, I, I believe it was PK Subban who famously said, you know, you don't fight Wayne Simmons. You don't fight and, Wayne Simmons. Yeah, hello. guess what? You saw that again. At the end of this one, because man, he's throwing haymakers out. So there. I don't think I don't know how and, many of them connected, but he was throwing. I don't think him and Zach McEwen have any like super personal issues. I think they're both fairly respectful as far as the tough guy thing goes. Sure, but man, Wayne was throwing mean in that fight. <laughs> he he was throwing well, for the he was throwing for the bleachers. I can tell you why, because the hit right before that McEwen put on one of his teammates. And I don't remember who it was at this point, but. At the time, like it, it's down to it's the an emotional end. There, hit. There's, well, but there's two and a half minutes left, I think, something like that, just under three. And I think he's looking at the scoreboard too, going, "It's a six-three game. What are you right, trying? What are we, to, what are are we trying doing to do with a hit like that? Like he, re- I, I, I think he just didn't like it. And going back to the first period, anyway, it's like, all right, fine, I'm going to fight this guy now. Yep. I mean, McEwen was still the first one in that. Like Simmons wanted him in the first period. Simmons yeah. was the first one to drop the gloves. In that situation, McEwen dropped him first, and Simmons finally was like, because I think Simmons just wanted to come over and give him a little shove, be like, hey, listen, I don't appreciate that. And McEwen was kind of like, all right, you know what? All right, it's time. No, I know what the score is. Let's just go. Let's dance. And he was ready to go, and Simmons isn't going to back down from that. So, you know. Not in Philly. He knows. He obliges. He knows where he is. It was a good one, honestly. I mean, It was a good good tilt. They were... I would have liked, as a Flyers fan, I would have liked to see Zach McEwen put up a little bit more of a fight because it kind of seemed like he got steamrolled a little bit. But it's what happens when you fight Wayne Simmons. I've said that for years. Yeah. But either all way, right. I mean, it, all the, look, it, everything else with this week with these games was nothing more than a mere formality. I mean, I give the Flyers credit for playing Toronto pretty tough for the first two periods. You know, sure. The first period, they looked better than Toronto, honestly. Yeah, they Second did. They period, were push and play. Second period, they got the first goal and then kind of had that little, you know. I, I, look, I honestly don't know what was going on during that little portion of the second period because the Simmons goal, I don't even know if he got a real shot off. I called it a change-up thinking he actually did, but, you know, he's, he was also skating away from my vantage point when it happened. So I think looking at the replay it was, as it was on TV, I think he just whiffed and the thing just crawled and Hart overplayed it. <laughs> right. And it went in. Um, and then the, the bank off the end boards, which was very much, um, who was that? Wasn't it Elias Pettersson in the season opener who scored a goal just like that? 
Oh, right. So it, very similar to that, where it's bank, same spot, same end of the ice, same. It hit him in the same weird spot bounce, off yeah. of the skate, like weird bounce. And, you know, those are just it, it's two really awful goals to allow. And, you know, I don't want to make this out to be Carter Hart's fault the whole night or anything right. like that. It's, you know, let's just wait. Every goal in the third period, I don't think was his fault when it comes down to it, because you should not be facing, you know, first of all, you should not be taken to school the way that that whole team was when Mitch Marner and Austin Matt. I mean, look, they're great players. They're phenomenal they, players. But they were taken to school. I mean, that was Harlem Globetrotters right there. And then, you know, shorthanded two-on-one, totally frantic play in their own zone when Morgan Riley finally scores on a rebound. And then the last one, which is, you know, a, an unstoppable shot by John Tavares off the rush. Like, every goal in the third period, I don't know what else you could ask your goaltender to do for you. Right. And it was only a matter of time during the course of that game. It was only a matter of time before the Marner-Matthews, you know, the connection, the way that... The, and Marner was really the one who gets should get more credit for the goal. I mean, it's it's Austin Matthews' 51st of the year. Good for him. But you don't get many much easier than that other than the empty netters that he scored this season. Because, right. I mean, Marner just got space, used his speed, got Car- Carter Hart down. All five guys were below the dots watching him and you just go out to the middle you know where you know you can thread that needle to austin matthews and the guy who's got one of the best shots in the game today oh who okay basically, who basically took that shot as if he was yep. in warm-ups because the net was that gaping wide open yep you know good for him you he know whatever but um and you know and then everything else i mean two on one shorthanded that's a problem i think that the other goal for riley it started as a three on one rush the other way so they already have numbers. It's already dangerous. They somehow don't score initially, but everything stays there. And there's every people are flying all over the place. They couldn't get out of their own way during that one. And, and then the and then at the end, the rush again, neutral zone kind of turnover, if you will, or just lost battle in the neutral zone, like lost fifty fifty puck, and Tavares ends up getting it from Nylander off the rush and just goes top cheddar. You know, that's right. What, what are you gonna do? That's the way. And it, and you know. I had to go back and kind of look because I wasn't really, you know, I remember like when they played Minnesota earlier in the week, Minnesota had won six games in a row coming in. So I think they took it to seven and I don't believe they maybe they have lost one since I have to go check. Um, But I know they won again. Yeah, they lost to Pittsburgh in overtime, but they beat Carolina on Saturday. So they've been playing well. Yep. And Toronto had just picked up um, a couple of wins that were pretty darn good for them. Uh, They had. They beat Florida. They beat Boston, Florida, and Winnipeg this week. Florida and Boston are pretty good teams to beat at this yeah. season. I mean, that came after they lost to Montreal of all teams, right? And that you know things like that. But they've won a lot in the last couple of weeks. I mean, they they only have lost to Nashville and Montreal, and that's it. They've got wins against da- Dallas, Carolina, New Jersey, Florida, Boston, Winnipeg. You know, I guess to kind of counterbalance some pretty awful losses because they lost in overtime to Arizona. Um, that was the game where uh, there should have been a penalty called, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, and then they lost to Buffalo. In uh, That was the Heritage Classic, actually. So they lost those two games and have since been pretty darn good going. I mean, and it's funny because there's a part of me that sits there and goes, yeah, it's the good old late March, early April run where they look really good. And then the playoffs will start and we'll see what right. happens. Like, we know the demons, right? Like, we know the demons that, that the Toronto Maple Leafs face. It, of the first round and all that type of stuff. You know, you know and what it's game happening I, again. You know what game I watched on Friday night? Which what's that? 
2004 Eastern Conference Semifinals Game 6. Oh, that's funny you bring that game up because there's a certain figure in that game who I want to talk about later. Yeah, yeah, we'll get into that. Enough, I yeah. mean, it's funny you bring up. They, they showed that clip during the game on Saturday as well, and I thought it was funny then too because I'm like, uh, that's a really interesting clip to have in this montage package today. <laughs> yep. Uh, but yeah, I, I decided I wanted to watch good Flyers hockey, and man, that game was fun. There's okay, so there's there's it's funny because I I feel differently about that game for two reasons. It was it's fun, it's a, it's still you know it's hard to watch games from that that particular time. Like there's better. Like, I'm not saying that there's like not better days we can go back to, but it's hard to watch games from that time frame and not be like just not be kind of mesmerized a little bit by the fact of how much the game's changed since then. Once oh, once that, once the murder's legal, hit. it's the second round of the playoffs. It's murder is legal. Right. Well, that and that's game. the thing. It's once the lockout happened and a whole lot of stuff changed and pace changed yep. and you know, everything so much changed after that, that it's almost hard to watch those games. Like, like every now and then you'll see that, the, like that during, game, that game had the two line pass. Yeah, it did. Um, do you remember, like, do you also remember, like, when everything really started, when there were no games a couple of years ago, as we were waiting for the playoffs to kind of come up, and the bubble and all that stuff? And, uh, I sure do, man. But they would re-air some games. Like, watching the five-overtime game with Keith Primo, <sighs> that game's a slog. I mean, you got guys <sighs> who are barely moving. Overtime is three, four, and five are, are pretty rough well and that's that's because you've already been playing for a really long time but even regulation it's a slower game at that point oh yeah the game is incredibly slow so it's just and it's just the way that it is you know there's nothing wrong with that per se like i'm like the game was good then it's it should be better now with some of the ways you know let's put this way just about every player at least every superstar player who we talk about who comes into the league comes in with way more speed and skill than anybody who we've seen and and we've heard guys talk about it like we've heard guys who played back in that time frame like think about what happens when Trevor like, our, Trevor Zegras has more skill than every single player who played in that 2004 game probably. more actual hockey hand skill I don't I don't know how he's, we go in next year with that he, guy not being a face of the league I right don't, he, I, he I scored, don't know how he scored another Michigan like, I know we're not a duck show, and we're not going to dwell on this forever, but he just casually scored another Michigan. And, it, oh, by the way, it was off of a between-the-leg shot that he gathered his own rebound. And, oh, by the way, it was around a teammate. <laughs> Hello? Sonny Milano just standing there like, oh, okay, I'm just going to watch. Hello? Where's, where's the this kid is This kid is ridiculous. Okay, here's the – first of all, so I got two comments on this one. Number one is, okay, you just call, you just said he, he did the Michigan again. At what point in time does the name of this goal change because it's being done so much by other people? No, it's – I know that that's the original. I mean, at this point in time to me, I guess the best thing, like the lacrosse-style goal or the lacrosse goal is probably the best way to go with it. I don't – because I don't think it, it, it should be singled out to one particular place even though it was the first time it happened. The lacrosse-style goal doesn't roll off the no, tongue no, no. as well I didn't as say the lacrosse Michigan. style. I said the lacrosse goal. Okay. Well, either way, I don't think it rolls off the tongue as good as it's the Michigan. No, but Zegers has done it twice this year, so just call it the Zegers and move on. I mean, if you're going to call it the Zegers, if you're going to call it the Zegers, you have to call it the Svechnikov. Well, right, because Svechnikov did it twice first. That's right. Right. But either way, it's crazy to think about how much of the game we haven't seen yet. Right. So, okay, so that's my first, like, so my first thing is at what point in time do you stop calling it that? But uh, seriously, uh, like, he he's so good. 
at what he's doing right now, and he's so skilled. And it's it, to be honest, it's a shame because the last time we really talked about him, which he would he would either have been when the Flyers were playing the Ducks, which was more mid-season. Uh, well, they have a game against the Ducks next week too, but like the, the only other time they played the Ducks was, I guess that cat uh, that California trip in December, right. um, early January, right after New Year's. But at the time, that was a playoff team, and now they're not going to make the playoffs. I mean, it's pretty. They're becoming. It's becoming pretty well set. They're not. Right. And that's disappointing because at the time, I remember looking at that team and going, you know, what I love about them right now is that they are playing with a lot of you know, younger guys who are finding a way to make this work. And I, you know, yep. I, I'm sure there's a variety of reasons why things fall apart for, for different reasons and why you end up in the situation you do and why you end up making trades at times too. I mean, uh, they did trade Delorier for, you know, to, to Minnesota and they traded Hampus Lind home out. Right. Like you make trades for reasons. There's no doubt about that, but it's just disappointing because I thought that they were going to be there and, and don't get me wrong. I, I think feel so bad for John Gibson, dude. <laughs> yeah, and he's he has really been a world class goalie since his like twenty third birthday, and he's just never had a chance because the team in front of him is so bad. But but I do like that. Like and again, this kind of ties into around the league more, and we're definitely gonna have more shows like this down the road. We actually have a lot of flyer topics this week. Yep, because uh, there's a lot of other stuff that was kind of floating around off the ice that we can get to. But um, when we do get into more of the overall playoff talk as as the season winds down, I can't the, wait. The West is really wide open, and I love yeah. it. Me too. Uh, one more point on Zegras for me before we uh, move yeah, on here. Um, I know that ESPN is doing their job. And the biggest reason, I, I, I think the reason Zegras has a chance to become a bigger star than Svechnikov kind of off that initial pop is that ESPN factor. And I'll say this. Um, I work in a retail environment out here in Illinois. And my regional manager came into the store this week and we're chit-chatting, blah, blah, blah. He comes in Friday morning talking about it, going, oh, I saw this kid on SportsCenter. It was the top play. That was amazing, blah, blah, blah. I think that there's also – That wouldn't have happened with an NBC logo in the corner. Well, yeah, okay, that's true. Now, I don't think ESPN's done the greatest job with their coverage this year. I think they can go better. I, th- I think they're they're working on it. I think they're a, a baby organization no, no, again. No, okay, but here's here's the thing about specifically with Zegris that I think helps him when it comes to ESPN and has nothing to do with, oh, his play was on SportsCenter, even though he is a skilled guy. It has nothing to do with that. I think it has a lot to do with, like, John Butchergrass loves this kid. He does. Loves him. And John Tortorella has had some things to say about when you take that skill level to that area. And at a certain point, by think, the way, I think John Tortorella is playing a bit of a character on that. But but doesn't that help? Oh, yeah, certainly. Like, like in Absolutely. Terms of, you got one guy who's sitting here saying how great it is that there's a guy who plays to that level who can do these things. And kind of the old school guy who's sitting here, maybe even playing it as a bit a little bit. I, right. I don't. Say, Oh, this is horrible. That Like, it, I don't want it to take away from the integrity of the game. Right. I don't. I, the game and blah, like. I don't think Skip Bayless believes every stupid word he says. I don't believe Stephen A. says be, truly believes all the stupid crap that comes out of his mouth. Well, if John, if John Tortorella is playing a bit of a heel 
I'm okay with that. It's WrestleMania season. <laughs> R- ratings, baby. Ratings. Yep. You know, like you gotta you gotta give the people what they want. And I think, but I think that that divide is a little bit of what people want. They, there's, I agree. What does it create? Discussion. Do we love this? Do we love Zegris or do we not like what he's doing because it shows up people? I think there's a lot more people out there that are gonna sit there and look at that take on. You know, I just hope it doesn't do anything to damage the integrity of the game or whatever. Or what? Like, I think. Well, have you have you heard crazy? Have you heard the Arizona call of the incident? You of mean the, the one that, of the fight from later in the game? Yes, with Tyson Nash. Who Ty, Tyson Nash basically said that a guy who does that deserves to get his face punched in. Oh right, uh, that's what you get if you want to scale it up. You're going to deserve to get punched in the mouth. Tyson Nash and had all man, this. Come skill. on, well, no, Tyson Nash had come all of his skill in his fist. I come on, man. Like it's 2022. The game is clearly moving in a skilled no, direction. But I don't, okay, but. What a typical response from a typical role player. Okay, Boomer. Well, no, but like it's it's the truth though. What yep. was his role when he played? He was a role guy. You would respond that way too if you know you didn't like you know because that's the way you would have responded when you played. I hate the way that that just happened. Sure. I want to see that guy. It was by the way, it's a joke that Jay Beagle got nothing. Didn't get a hearing. Nothing. That's an absolute to joke him. to see the picture of Troy. You saw Troy Terry's face. Yep. I didn't, Awful. No, I know. I, I got to admit, I did not see it have like I didn't see this in the moment. I kind of had to get caught up on it later because I mean, look, here's the thing, too. The game this happened when it was a five nothing game and my interest in the game waned when I saw Fair. four nothing. So I was done. I, I'm like, I'm going to bed. Right. Especially in those West Coast games. Totally right. understand. So I, but I find out all this stuff and it, it's laughable that another player on the it's same team. You know, it's laughable that another player on the same team got a suspension for something else. And like and then, the crazy thing is, Jay Beagle wasn't even smart enough to attack the right guy. Right. Well, here's hello. The, well, no, he he does at the start because he's the guy who cross checks Zegers going for it. And actually, to that extent, I have no problem with two things in that area. One, okay, you got to go in and kind of clear out. That's fine. You don't see it. Sure. Like, and Zegers does stop. Like, okay, puck was loose. We're done he, here. That, that, Fair that, enough. That's what he said afterwards. But the whistle blew, and you see him go from trying to dig away he's hunched over he's trying to dig away to upright again right he, he's laying off he's done he's done. blue okay and he takes a two-hander to the back and goes down pretty hard and, and sure that's going to draw a crowd that's fine and the, the thing that really disappoints me about from the anaheim side and it's not like it, it, this is not disappoints me in terms of somebody did something wrong it's somebody trying to do something right that got cut off at the pass because the guy who wanted beagle in that moment was cam fowler yeah, oh yeah. And that's oh, the veteran yeah. who goes in and goes Because uh-uh, that's a better not, matchup. Right. And that's yep. the guy who goes in and goes, uh uh-uh, uh, not today. Not, not on my watch. Right. And he got cut off at the pass and Beagle was able to tee off. And, and Beagle that, had a friggin' field day with Troy Terry's eyebrow. From a guy who you know isn't gonna fight, who who you know isn't that type of player, and who you know isn't expecting it. How do you give a guy five minutes for fighting, not give the other guy five minutes for fighting and not kick Beagle out of that game? Well, I think by that point the game was over. So if he, so, no, so he was done. Okay, fair enough. No, but how you how do you not as a department of player safety, which we've already stated, he doesn't even get the five thousand dollar maximum allowable fine under the CBA. Like he doesn't even get that. What are we doing here? Well, no, because someone quickly brought up the fact that it was and it was like, I think it was earlier this week because didn't um I, I just said uh, Toronto beat Boston earlier in the week, right? Like su- Sunday or Monday or something like that, right? End of that game, Taylor Hall took a cheap shot at. Uh, Labushkin. Oh yeah, he sure did. Yeah, you know what he got for that? Five thousand dollars. 
Yeah, and like that's I mean, never. It was, a, it like, was a, what he attempted to. It didn't land the right way because Lavushkin was fine, I guess, and that might maybe right. that helps. But he gave him. They a always judge. Of, they always judge it based on injury, which is stupid. Know, which but is, whatever. Yeah, well, if they judge it based on injury, then the fact that you know Beagle didn't get anything is even worse. Yeah, but um, Taylor Hall was, you know, it, it was a very you know the way he kind of wound up for what he went to do was very Bertuzzi of him. Yeah, that was the only way I could describe it because I saw the way he kind of grabbed him from behind, and you know, he he goes back for it. He's loading up. Yep. None I, of this has to do with the Flyers being eliminated, by the way. I, well, it kind of does because that must mean we're getting closer to the playoffs, right? You're it seeing does. the physicality. You're seeing yeah, the, the physicality Ducks, I mean, pick up, and you're seeing the calls ramp the, down. Uh, the Ducks part was mildly relevant because the Ducks are in town this weekend. So yep. This upcoming weekend. So, do we get a we get bonus points for that one, I guess. <laughs> I'm not when Trevor Zegers puts up more highlight reel goals because now he's annoyed. Oh, stop. I want to see this kid. I can't wait to see this kid in person. You know, uh, these are the teams that only come in twice a year. They so, come in once a year. They only play them twice. I can't wait to see this kid. So Zach McEwen's the idiot that tries to grab him? No. I don't think anybody on this team is at that level where they do anything to try to do anything. They, I they hope don't. not. You know what? If if you thought that that was like that, look. If if you think that that's you know the type of skill level that can happen against the Flyers, which obviously it is. Uh, I'm yeah. Gonna, I'm not trying to say it's not, but if you think they're going to do anything, then they didn't exactly do anything after Marner. You know, Fair. went all you know went McDavid mode, video, McDavid NHL 22 mode, and that's, just needed circles around them. Yeah, but that's different. There's that mental flip of the the Michigan, the highlight goal, the the once once a year type goal. I don't know if he could actually pull it off against the Flyers, and I'll tell you why. No, okay. I'll tell you why. Because when something like that happens, they collapse four guys to the goal line anyway, so I don't know if he could get through. Fair. He'd have to, he'd have to make the pass and find Sonny Milano or... He'd have to do something else or, ridiculous, which right. I'm sure he can figure out. Right. I'm not like... he. You know what? He. I could see... I think it's more likely that he does an original than does the Michigan or the Svechnikov or whatever you want to call That's it. That's almost worse. No, you, you know what the original is, right? I'm repeating the original, the Buffalo goal, the flip. Oh, yeah. Okay. That seems more likely to me than the Michigan because of the fact that he – I don't think he'd have the angle to go around the net and go through as many bodies as he would have to for that are standing. Right, but you, just, you chuck it over the net and let traffic but, happen. Yes. Yep. That, I agree. I think it's more likely. But – and that would just be a skill play on its own. Like that would just be. And I don't think anybody would go after anybody anyway. I think that they're checked one, out for that type of stuff. One of these games, he's going to chip it over the net, bounce it off the back of the goalie's head, and right in. It's going to happen. He's going to do it. <laughs> but all right, so we've kind of touched on it a little bit throughout the show. But uh, last night's game against Toronto was our chance to see a couple of new guys for the first time. Uh, Noah Cates and Ronnie Adder made their Flyers debuts. Um, overall, Kevin, how would you say that they did? Fine. And that's about right. And that's what you expect because Adder was a third-round pick and Cates was, what, a fifth-round pick? Yeah, I believe so. Right. So expectations aren't extraordinarily high. If, if these guys are – if these guys make your lineup and play on your NHL team every night, you're pretty happy about it. It's found money. Right. I mean, look, this is this is what this to an extent, this is what this final portion of the season is all about. Right. I, I I'm not sitting here trying to tell you that these guys are gonna be on the team next year though. Like I can't go that far with you because I agree. 
And I think both of them need time in the minors. And they probably will get it. I mean, let's put this way. There's a lot of elements to this, and and I know that people were really – like the the things that people choose to argue about now really kind of grinds my gears because – like I know everybody's a little disappointed. Like everybody was getting really amped up because – Nate Thompson's going to come back in the lineup for Hayden Hodgson. And that's another one of these players who people kind of want to get a look at because he's new. He's a new face. He's yeah. somebody different. I, and I get all of that. But Hayden Hodgson to me, like, let's let's make something very clear about a guy like Hayden Hodgson. OK, he's no different than Phil Myers or Igor Zamula or anybody like that in the sense that he is nothing more than another one of these undrafted type guys. And and. Stop acting like an undrafted guy is going to solve all your problems. You're, you're panning for gold, and you are very, very, very likely to just end up yeah. with sand. Well, no, no, listen. I have no problem with people wanting to get behind players like this for the sense of, you know what? Every good team, or not every good team, but a lot of good teams in the league, for as many times as they hit in the first round, somebody gets, you know, one of them. They is hit a on one of these weirdos. There's a diamond in the rough oh. that they go, hey, you know what? It's not pretty at the beginning. We got to, you know, you really got to take some time, shine it up, and it turns into a really good player. Like, you know, I'm trying to think of a good example. Beyond, okay, like, like, okay. And Everybody like, who's ever played in Tampa's bottom six? Kind of, but I was even going to say, like, Braden Point wasn't a top-end guy. He wasn't a no. first-round pick. He was a third. Yep. But you shine him up, he turns into a skilled player, you develop him properly, and you get, you know, you put him around guys like Stamkos and Kucherov. and you put a guy who, and you get a guy who's arguably a top five center in the NHL, depending on the day, top ten on a lot of people's lists. Well, I mean, there's other guys though too. I mean, look, when you win back to back Stanley Cups, you break down that team an awful lot. Andre Pilat, I think, was a seventh. Yeah, that's like, it's there's ridiculous. Ridic- like, there's, you get some ridiculous stuff, but there you go. That's the guy, diamond in the rough. Is he is he a top line guy? Absolutely not. He needs like to to put up the numbers he's put up as as a career player. He had to play with first line first round talent, yep. but you can put him on a second or third line by himself, and he's still going to deliver. He's an extraordinarily valuable contributor. Yeah, right. And that's the thing. I agree. Like, you that's how like, but enough with these experts. Like everybody thought Phil Myers was going to be the best defenseman on the blue line, <laughs> and he's an undrafted guy. And you kind of start to realize as time for about, goes on. For about two weeks, he was. But you start to realize as time goes on, especially when he leaves. Like, he's not in Philly anymore, and now he's bounced around a couple times. And now he's clearing waivers. And then getting traded, though. Yep. So, like, you know, that's the thing. Like, you've got, you know, like, it happens this way. You know, we we do this too often with draft picks and go crazy about guys, you know, when reality is, is that if you really want the next big thing, there's really only one way to do it. And you put yourself in a position to get the McDavid's and the Matthews of the world and pick at the top. And the one year that they have had that so far, they lucked into the pick anyway. And then they, out of stubbornness, picked a guy who, you know, didn't pan out for multiple reasons, for multiple reasons. And and if you go back even further, the one before that is JVR, who had a good career, but we traded him away for the, the best part of his career. Oh uh, well, one of these days we'll get one of these top picks, right? Flyers currently currently sit the think. fourth worst record in the league. Is that um, correct? They do, but so something interesting happened. Speaking of the Tampa Bay Lightning, by the way, the Tampa Bay Lightning lost in a shootout to the Montreal Canadiens on Saturday. We love that. You we are that? big Montreal Canadiens fans yeah, in this do house. You know what that? Do you know what that means? 
The gap between the Flyers and the worst spot in the Eastern Conference is four. Yep. In the league, it's a little bigger. It's it's six. But honestly, Montreal and Arizona are two of the hottest teams in the league over the last month, and that is um, fantastic news for the Flyers because it Arizona's, is no longer impossible that the Flyers end up at the bottom. I I'm not Ari- saying it's likely, but it's not impossible. I think Arizona has come back to earth a little bit, and the fact that you're down to the games in the teens now, like yeah, when there was 20 games to go, if this was the margins, I'd be getting really excited if I were people because of the fact, like, you know. You're, you've got enough time left where your schedule's brutal. Yes, it means the other sides are brutal, but this, look, they, they like Montreal already started there. Like when Montreal traded to Foley to Calgary, yep. that was already the beginning of the selling. So they've actually kind of kept around the core of the team that they want to build, if you will. Like you know yep. what I mean? Like where they're trying to go, especially with Marty San Luis as their coach now, at least for right now. They already have, like, like what it is is what it is. And they're going out trying to succeed with that as best they can. You know, I mean, nobody, I think nobody sit, like in that organization is going to sit there and go, oh, for sure and certain, they're going to finish above the top five, like the bottom five. I think right. they already knew that that's where they were going to fall in line. And I think they don't care because, you know, this is another discussion I want to have because of the fact that they're again, and this is going to, you know, this is going to help us. We talked a little bit about the new faces a little bit. And it, you know what? I've had two games of Noah Cates and I've had one game of Ronnie Adderd. And well, I guess what? Two games of uh, Hayden Hodgson as well. Yep. But I don't want to get Hayden, into Hayden Hodgson still point per game, <laughs> <laughs> but I don't want to get into, um, you know, trying to break down their games for what it is. Like, there's going to be enough time for the rest of the year to do that, and there's going to be, you know, you, to me, the thing about playing them right now, like, if you play a kid like Adderd right now and say he doesn't go back to the minors for the rest of the year, maybe he does. Who knows? I'm not going to try to speculate. But if he doesn't, I think that the only thing that you can accomplish right now between this year and next year with a player like that is if is that he gets – 10 games, let's say, or whatever number of games he plays for the rest of the year, because I'm not going to say he's going to get all of them, to learn the pace, and then you take that into the offseason and go, how can I make myself better for that level? Right. And and maybe you come into camp and you go, I know what I have to do to be that player, and I'm going to take those steps, and that's how you make the team next year. Fair enough. But that's the, that's the only thing I think that can be accomplished. I don't think that the, you're, you're going to just solidify spots right now. All they can do is learn how the pace is at this level and then see where it goes from there. But they don't really have options, if you will. Right. And I think this summer is going to be um, tumultuous enough that I don't know if anybody on the roster feels particularly safe with their spot next year. A couple guys, sure. You know, Carter Hart's probably not going anywhere. But everybody else might might have a little bit of a warm seat. Um. So, speaking of warm seats, there's there's one more storyline from Saturday night's game with Toronto that we have to talk about. Probably the biggest story of the game, right. heading into the game, you know, once news kind of broke, that Keith Yandel's Iron Man streak would be ending at 989 games. Uh, right. Notably, notably for those who are math challenged here, that is 11 games short of 1,000. <laughs> and it was widely assumed that the Flyers would be allowing Yandel to finish out the season at minimum hit that thousand games and yet here we are and the streak is broken right we're sitting here sunday morning he did it's not already suit, over right he did not suit up last night i uh, i think uh 
there's a chance he's in the lineup tonight and, you know, the new streak starts at one, but this, uh, this, this news kind of swept over like a wave on Saturday, Kevin, um, how, how did this whole thing come about? The whole thing, how did it come about? It, it, it was just this, I guess it was just a decision that had to be made. He was kind of sick for part of the week. So it was a right. thought. But then he came back and they kept things the way they were. And I, there's an element, you know, I heard some thoughts about this where it was like, you know, maybe they wanted to see, and I, I know it's going to sound ridiculous, but just hear me out. Maybe they yep. wanted to see what Nick Sealer looks like without a guy like Yandel on his, as his partner. Because Sealer can at least skate better. Like, let's let's be clear if we evaluate the situation. Sealer is a better, like, Sealer is a better skater and a better, I guess, player at this stage of his career where he is than Keith Yandel is at his age and his level of experience. Like, Keith Yandel's two steps behind everybody. Right. And that's not his fault at this point. Yeah, Father Time is undefeated. Right, like if they're not a good, like he's not a good player anymore. Bottom line, he's no. not a good player. Um, what I don't understand, and listen, this is kind of a look. There's there's arguments for and against certain elements of this, because I I see it all the time, and I get people who want to sit there and because there's people who I think, and we talked, we just talked about bottom five spots, so that's kind of why I'm bringing this part up. I think there's people who are sitting here going, why bother do this now when Yandel makes you a worse team? And you need losses. Right. I'm I don't buy that because I don't think that throwing in a kid who played college last week is making you any it's helping tomorrow. you any better. That's like, fair. You're still experimenting. All you're doing is trying to show the kid the pace. And that doesn't mean he's gonna make the team next year. Doesn't mean anything. It just is giving him a taste of what it's like. And I don't sure. think it puts you in a position to be any more likely to win a game or lose a game than you already are. So you know, at the same time, you you know, because here's the thing, too. At the same time, you can't be of both – like, you can't take both sides of an argument, right? You can't sit there and go, I, I want to see Adderd, you know, and that, you know, so, like, you can either be of, I want to see Adderd and I'm pissed off that they didn't play Hodgson because I want to see all of the young guys. Yep. You can't be, hey, you know what? I like both sides of it. I, I'm glad that Adderd's playing. I really want to see him. But, yeah, get Nate Thompson back in there because we got to tank it, too. Like – I really hate the people who think that tanking's a thing in the NHL. It right. does not work. And Exhibit A, Buffalo Sabres. Took them a long yep. time to get a first overall pick when they, they were the worst hard. team in the league for, like, a lot. Or, you know, Buffalo Sabres. You know, no, look, ask yourself why five different teams have held the bottom spot in the league this year when any one of them could have just folded. Right. Like Arizona's been there. Montreal has been there. Seattle's probably been there or could be there. The Flyers could be there. Yep. And every one of them could find a reason to go into that, you know, just go into the cave and give it up. And it does not guarantee you any, like, does it give you more lottery balls? I guess it does. But does right. it guarantee you any better of a chance to win the lottery? Not necessarily because we've seen it in, in the past. You right. can be the worst team in the league and not get the first pick. Yep. So if you think you're in this thing trying to, you know, if you think you're in this thing trying to win the Shane Wright sweepstakes or get one of these guys, I don't doubt that you're in the right spot to do it. But I don't right. see any any player who's going to come in out of the right. college ranks or otherwise who all of a sudden drastically makes you that much of a better team that you're going to win a game. Now, I, 
I, I can counterpoint the the tanking doesn't work thing. I'd like to point at the Detroit Red Wings, and I know that they haven't quite turned it around yet. But, man, it certainly looks like picking multiple times in the top five over the last couple okay. of years is certainly going to look real nice for them. But there's a difference, okay? To me, there's a difference Is it between... that they actually know how to develop players? Well, yes, but that that's not where I was going with it. There's a difference between you get multiple years of multiple picks in the top five right. without necessarily being – like. Without I, ever I, burning it to the ground. Well, without ever burning it to the ground, without ever very clearly showing that you're trying to lose. Right. Like, you can be just a bad team, like Buffalo. You can be just a bad team and get – like, they didn't pick first overall every year. Right. But they did pick in the top five, top ten an awful lot. Now, does has it equated to anything? No. Oh, but, no, because they don't know how to draft and develop players. <laughs> and that well, really not, is the most important um, thing you need. That's not entirely true yet. No, hold on. That's not entirely true because they don't have every player yet. I mean, get, get, Owen, Power, no, get Owen Power up here and let's see what happens. Like, Fair, but Rasmus Dahlin has underperformed. Casey Middlestad is no, Dahlin's been the only guy they've had frankly on terrible. Let's be real. Yeah, but it's one of those things. I still don't think he'd be very good if the team was any good. I also now I've also had the argument that much you know Darlene's year wasn't um Darlene's year was the year after the Heesher Patrick draft. Right. And I cl- I claim that people were very spoiled at that time because your draft years before that were, you know, Connor McDavid, had, Austin was, Matthews, but it, was, but it was McDavid, Eichel, Matthews, Line, and you had two legitimate superstars at the top of these drafts. Right. And then you tried to turn Heesher Patrick into that and you tried to turn Darlene into that and you know, but, it's not because Darlene. Darlene's year was what? Darlene Svechnikov. And Svechnikov's a really good player. I'm not trying to say he's not, but fair. But like, you try to turn these first overall picks into what those guys were. Like that. It, that like it became a narrative that every first overall pick is generational. It's still That's kind fair. of. It still kind of is. Now I'm not trying to downplay next year because Connor Bedard looks like that at 16. Right. I get that Connor Bedard is drawing comparisons as a teenager, like. Like a young teenager, I'm talking about, like the 15, 16 year old kid who, you know, is getting the attention that Crosby got or getting the attention McDavid got. I'm not trying to downplay that. But is Shane Wright really going to be the next greatest thing out there or is he going to be a really good player? Right. That's fair. Like, there's a big difference. There's a big gap between generational and eh, really good player. He'll help. Like, there's nothing wrong with getting the really good player first overall in the draft or second or third or whatever. Right, like, but we okay. glorified this draft thing with every first round pick is outstanding. Like Ryan O'Reilly is a high end NHL player. Yes, he is leagues below Connor McDavid. Will Connor or will Shane Wright be Connor McDavid? Probably not. Could he be Ryan O'Reilly? Yeah, he probably could be. That's not a bad comparison because a lot of people think he's a Couturier like player. Okay, like the two way abilities there, and O'Reilly probably fits the bill of that too. Right. Oh, so, for sure. So there you go. I think that's a that's actually a really fair comparison for him. I don't know. If, I don't know if Wright's got the um, phys- like the physical build that right. Ryan O'Reilly has. That's valid. So I, but he's also, I, I think, you know, he's also like seventeen and could grow into that a little bit. He could, um, but I, no. But I think he's going to be more of a leaner okay. forward than O'Reilly is. Like I don't, O'Reilly comes in kind of like a wrecking ball sometimes. Fair. You know, I don't think that Shane Wright's ever going to be a wrecking ball. But right. But good. Con- but good. Connor but a really Bedard, good player. Connor Bedard is projecting a little more towards that Connor McDavid ceiling than the the, the Ryan O'Reilly level. No disrespect to Ryan O'Reilly, right? But th- but this is the thing, like like okay, let's do it with another kid for the Flyers right now because because this is going to happen in the next week. 
So, little piece of news. We don't have a banner for it. I'm not creating a banner for it right now because we don't need to. Bobby Brink is a finalist for the Hobie Baker. We love that. He is going to play a game on Thursday, the 7th, for for University of Denver in the national semifinals in the Frozen Four. If they win, he's got another game on Saturday. If they lose, his college career is probably over. He's not a senior. He could go back. But yep. more than likely, he is going to sign. And all indications of that from you – know, there's there, look, there's people who already are set. Like, the rumblings are already there when you're in the press box. But they're also – like, let's put it this way. Chuck Fletcher said he's part of the right-wing group that they have, like, depth-wise. Present and tense. I, no, right. And I don't think you mention that guy if you don't basically almost have a handshake agreement in place. Like, hey, listen, when your college career is over, you're signed. Right. He mentioned it in the present tense, not in the future tense. <laughs> right. But he also mentioned it. A good now uh, will be will be a solid two weeks before he's even able to sign that he's oh, right. part of this group. That, that's what I'm like, saying. You know, you don't say it unless you basically have the guy ready to sign. So he's he might win he might win the Hobie Baker. That's gonna that's getting awarded on Friday, by the way. Bobby so he, brings the guy I'm excited about. Now here, okay, now here, but here's the thing: he is still a smaller player. Yep. He's a second round pick. You know, maybe that equates to a late first, but late first does not always equate to top line guy. That's fair. Curb your expectations. I think that he's a possibly solid second line guy. I agree. I haven't really seen him play. This is what I've heard. No, this is what I've heard from other people. His ceiling is probably second line guy. I think he's got some Cam Atkinson potential. That's fair because Cam Atkinson does, when he goes to those areas, get pushed around a little bit still, even at 33. 32, right. 33. So, yes, I, I get that. Um, he's got more of a willingness to go there. He does get pushed around. He's got a good enough shot that he can score at this level. But let's not jump to, like, oh, you know, he's going to score at Jeff Carter levels. <laughs> best, best Man, that'd be nice. Jeff Carter. No, I don't think you're going to get that. But I think you're going to get a solid 20, 25 goal scorer at some okay. point. And that's what does that equate to, though? Typ- you know, typical middle six high-end guy. Yep. You know, like that's the high that's, end of the middle sticks. That's the kind of guy. Well, and you hear it a lot in the NHL draft. There's really not a whole lot of difference between pick 20 and pick. I think it's like pick 80. Like there's a there's a pretty big yeah, it's, gulf there. And some uh, that's what you get when you pick, you know, when you finish two points out of a playoff spot and pick 14th. That's the kind of guy you get sometimes. And that's kind of a lot of the talent that the Flyers have picked up, and that's that's why we're kind of missing that top-end talent you're talking about. Yeah, it, it just... Well, and, I mean, you want to talk about missing the top-end talent when you watch two guys for Toronto who are that, who speak <laughs> circles around you. You know that you don't have that element. Like, listen... They're the game two changers. Goals, no, but the two goals that decided that game, if we're being honest, you know, the, the, the Austin Matthews goal, which is basically an empty netter, and then the shorthanded goal by Pierre Engvall, they both happen for the exact same reason, lack of high-end talent. Yep. And the reason I say that is because of the fact that, okay, high-end talent is what leads to the Matthews goal because Marner puts on a show. Yeah, for sure. But the reason why the Flyers give up a shorthanded goal is because your power play has no high-end talent. Correct. There's no crazy puck move. This is why they're ranked 32nd in the league. Yep, and to be fair, Claude Giroux's been traded, Sean Couturier's been hurt. Like, you've lost your two big pieces off of that first power play unit this season. But yes, you're correct. The current iteration of the Flyers' first power play is not very good. Their first power play unit looks a whole lot like a decent team's second power play unit. Right. I mean, 
If at that, best. I mean, at if, best. If that. Yep. Although I would like to say, um, I know he hasn't scored yet, but Owen can, Owen, Tippett, Owen Tippett continues to look very good in my book. Um, but all right, uh, back to Keith Yandel. That's kind of where we uh, where we started this whole right. tangent. Keith Yandel didn't play on Saturday. Right. No, this is a widely talked about topic, though, because this created a lot of argument. You know, first of all, I can't believe that we're going to sit here and do this, where we have to talk about the fact that Keith Yandel's streak ended, and there's actually people who defend, bo- like there's people defending both sides of it. Okay, so you still haven't stated your side yet, I'm, and I'm curious to find out where stupid. you... I think it's stupid. I think the streak was stupid. Okay. I am glad that we firmly agree on that. Um... They don't... Listen, okay, here's... Because uh, now I'm going to get fired up about it, because this is what you Okay, mean. I love it. They didn't owe him anything at game number 990. If nothing else, when the contract was signed, veteran minimum, and he gets a no trade clause. Yep. They owed him, I guess, whatever it was, 42 games. Right. To get there. He got another 25 that they didn't owe him. They could have said, you know what? You got your record and you're done. That's it. We're moving on. And they could have either tried to find a trade partner that he would agree to go to or just waived him. Just cut him. Yep. You have, you have no obligation to keep playing this guy any further than you did the day he broke the streak. Yep. He got the Ironman record. That was the obligation. You held up your end of the deal. And well, we like, don't know. There might have been a handshake to you don't sit me at all this season. There might have been a handshake agreement to you don't sit me until I hit a game th- game 1,000. You don't sit – like we don't know don't think, for sure. I don't think 1,000 would have been on anybody's mind until it was within reach. That's fair. Like, But like, it, uh, you might have gotten the season anybody, though. Right. I don't think – I think everybody was focused on whatever the number was. I think it was what, 965 was the record? Something like that, yeah. So everybody was focused on that. And then you, the issue I have, okay, because I want to talk about the com, some of the comments that I saw as people talked about this. The the worst one to me, I mean, it, this is just a god awful take in so many ways. It was ridiculous. Uh, Jeremy Roenick t- tweeted about this and was like, "Oh God, here we go!" You know, slamming the Flyers organization yep. for their lack of loyalty. You started a sentence with Jeremy Roenick tweeted, and I should have known. I didn't realize you hadn't seen it. This is no, was, I haven't was, seen this. It was the biggest BS thing I've ever seen, and to be honest, my my reaction to it was, well, this explains why Jeremy Roenick never won a Stanley Cup, because you're glorifying individuals and you're all about loyalty, but you aren't about improving your team. Because I, like I, I like I'd want to know if 27 year old Jeremy Roenick playing for whatever team, you know what Chicago, whatever. He he should be screaming at the coaches every single day. Bench no, no, this if, guy, he sucks. Right. If if this is ruining your prime years of your career, that a guy is still playing because you feel obligated to play him for a streak. Yep. Then you're not you're not committed to what you signed up to be as a hockey player. Yep. Then you're saying you're saying like. It, the word I saw used a lot in quote tweets of this thing because I didn't. I don't know if I even follow Jeremy Roenick. I probably do, but I, I don't see his stuff come through. Like Good I missed call. it. By, I'm no, because I missed it by a solid couple of hours before I actually saw it floating around. And the thing I saw was a lot of people called it participation trophy culture, because he wanted them to be like That's he wanted funny. this loyalty to 
he's been nothing but good to you. You have to play him. Blah blah. He's been here for eight months. He probably didn't even buy a house. He probably rented an apartment. He's living with Kevin Hayes. Even better. He's not even. He's not even contributing to the local real estate economy. Come on now. It's just like we don't owe him anything. What are you talking about, Jeremy? Blows my mind that they're going to show that clip of him beating Toronto in the playoffs later that night, literally. And the same night, okay, there was there was a counter to Jeremy Roenick, and I can't believe that I disagree with a former flyer, <laughs> and agree with a guy who played for the New Jersey Devils and the New York Rangers. Mike Rupp got it right. Yep. Mike Rupp posted a rant video on Twitter, talking about how we glorify these Iron Man streaks, this idea of playing every day when your ability is not there in terms of. You this, you got to do what's best for your organization. You got to do what's best for your future. Right. If that means playing a kid out of college and seeing what you got, that's your obligation as a team. Not yep. hey, some guy's got a streak. And he he chastised he, not only he didn't chastise just the Flyers for doing it for as long as it went on and like not and taking the step. He chastised the um the Arizona Coyotes because he goes Phil Kessel's the next one in line. We all know this. They chartered a plane to Chicago so he could play for 10 seconds and hop on a plane to go back for the birth of his child just so the streak didn't get broken. How is that reasonable? At least Phil Kessel contributes. That's the di- that's the difference. Honestly, he, that's no, the difference. I he, know he didn't contribute in that game. I understand. Well, no, no, no. And I know where you're going. And in Arizona, it's easy to contribute when you don't have a lot around it's, no, you. No, it's not even that. It's the fact that Phil Kessel is still a reasonable NHL player at this stage of time. Okay, not Keith Mike, Handel is not. Okay, Mike Rupp didn't think so. That's what I'm trying to get at. Oh, well, I think he is. Because, I think Mike, Phil Kessel. Mike, Rupp, yeah. Mike Rupp's point was is like, hey, listen, this streak could have like for Yandel, it should have ended in Florida last year, and basically yes. that organization got pressured. The players to, revolted. Right. He, they, yeah. So they got pressured into keeping him in the lineup, and then did. And then yep. you've got on the other side, you have um, basically what he was trying to say is that, like, hey, listen, this is happening in Arizona, too, because they feel an obligation to keep something going that, like, why? Why are we glorifying the individualized street? And I think, and to be honest. The most surprising part of that is the fact that Arizona could afford to charter a plane. I get, I guess so. But <laughs> um, did you? Did, did they okay, call, so, did they call Gary for that one? Maybe. Did, but so let's keep it going for a second with this, because then did you hear Kevin Hayes after the game? I did not. Okay, so Kevin. How, Hayes how bummed was Kevin? He kind of got asked, you know, about it, and he, he let's just wait. He took a really long time to. Uh, start I'm to sure he well, knew that question was coming, and I'm sure well, he knew to be careful about it. He took a well because he took well. Hold on, you know, he wasn't careful by the end of it. He said what was on his mind, and I don't agree with it, but he said what was on his mind. And uh, I, you know, if in case you are somehow listening to this podcast and you're not aware, him and Keith Yandel are very, 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 very close I mean, friends. As far as I'm concerned, they might as well be brothers. Oh, yeah, they're family. They're Their families family. love each other. They're, they're yes. Um, yep. so, here's, so here's basically the gist of what he said, because he, he kind of really starts off just by trying to give that generic hockey answer, you know. Uh, it's a coach's decision. No, he didn't even say that. No? He's like he like in terms of just trying to say like, like it's tough. He's really th- like you can see the, the wheels are turning. He's trying to figure out where to go. And then he gets to point he goes I love you know, I love this city, I love this team, I love this organization. I smell a butt coming. We're 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 only players. We don't make these decisions. Okay. It is a business. Keith said it. It's a business. 
they have to make decisions for them. That's why, you know, if they want to see some college kids, that's what they have to do. He gets the follow up question was, it sounds like, you know, you didn't agree with it when the decision came down. And he goes and he basically confirmed he doesn't agree with it. And it's his boy. I expect him to back his boy to a certain extent. But then, how, well, then how do you lead with "I love this team, I love the city, I love this organization"? But he's my yeah, best friend. I don't. It kind of it kind of hangs it up in the air. I'm sorry. And, and my problem with that answer, and this is where I'll because 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 he sat there and even said, "You guys will probably make me sound like an idiot with whatever like in the media because of whatever like because it'll be twisted or whatever." I'm not going to try to do that to him. I know where he's coming from. It's a buddy, and it's a right. guy who's been there for you your whole career and who's guided and you. It and, sucks. I, and, 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 and 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 here's the thing. I don't deny that Keith Yandel has value as a veteran player who's been around the block for a new guy coming in. I Fair. don't doubt that experience matters. Let's put this way. Why do you think Nick Schultz is in the development part of this this organization to an extent? Because he played for so long. He's a guy who you sit there and you at least want to have somebody – like. At the end of the day, sometimes ability doesn't matter when it comes to, I want to say coaching, but ability doesn't matter to being a mentor to somebody when you sit there and go, tell them what life is like at this level. Because they need to know how to conduct themselves, and they need to know it's not always perfect. Right. So I understand that element of it. But to sit there and basically say, I love this organization and I, you know, and all that type of stuff. I love the city. I love the team, all that stuff. And to kind of throw the butt in there like, but it's one of my best friends, and it kind of sucks to see this happen. It almost feels like a veiled it's, threat. You know what it feels like to me? And it feels like the biggest problem with this team right now, which is, you know, because – you know it might be as cliche to the thing as i could possibly say but there's no i in team yep and i'm just getting the sense from a lot of things because i'm going to go to the next tab we have to kind of wrap this up because we have more to talk about off the ice yeah i'm getting the sense that there's a lot of i mentality i don't disagree with that and that's a big problem when you want to try to get out of whatever you are it sounds like a lot of guys who play for themselves and don't play for the good of the rest of the team. And Yandel, <sighs> yeah, and, and well, here's and here's the thing about Yandel. This is not to criticize Keith Yandel, right? Because Yandel took it. Yandel sat, yeah, yeah, yeah. He Yandel sat there and even said, "I understand why they have to do this. You know, it sucks to not play, but I get it." And he, he took was a it he was a he good soldier play. about it. And you know what? He's probably going to play on Sunday. Yep. Because Nick Sealer got hurt on Saturday night. So he's probably going to play on Sunday, unless they want to put Connaughton in. But I can see I can see a world where they throw Yandel right back in. At this point, he might say, eh, I'm taking the weekend off. Throw Kevin Connaughton in. Nah, because he won't be that type of guy. And, 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 you know, it helps him because, you know what? Next year, he might play somewhere for the vet minimum again for a team. Like, you know, maybe he goes back to Arizona where he's played before just because they need bodies. And you know what? Y- you get to continue playing. Yep. You know, like, I don't, I don't know, because let's just say, there's not a contending team out there this year that's going to look at Keith Yandel and say he's on my team next year. Not one single team. No. Well, a team, <sighs> no, a team that needs body. Well, unless, well, unless he's I wonder. Seven. I was going to say, I wonder if that changes now that the streak is broken because he might be a little more willing to be a seventh and just go be an asset for a team going to the playoffs. Maybe, but I don't. No, I, like I just don't know. I think there's a better, like there might be a better shot that he just hangs him up than like wouldn't than that. wouldn't the like, wouldn't the Florida Panthers like a guy like Keith Handel at this point? What now that they can put him where they actually want? It, I don't it, think that would ever happen. By the way, because I think now there's too much bad blood. I, I agree, but like you get where I'm coming from. Just well, the way he, that roster okay. is designed. 
because there's an element of it. You got to remember something about the element of this whole streak too. Florida didn't have the guts to do it until it was the playoffs, and it didn't technically count toward. And the it streak. doesn't matter, right? Right, but they still, but they still had the guts to do it, which creates sure. something, you know. Like I'm sure that creates a little bit of, you know, feelings. I mean, I don't know if I, I don't want to go so far as to call it animosity, but I do think it creates some feelings. Sure, and and they essentially told him. Now that the games really matter, we have to ice our best lineup, and that doesn't include you. Not only does it not include him, but then they bought him out. Right. And they, also get out. Right. If they really want, like, I can't, there's no way there's a reunion with Florida. I think Arizona is a likely possibility for him. I agree. Because, just because they need bodies, and I don't think they care if they have and to play a guy like and that. And you can't discount the Boston factor for Boston boys. Oh, if, it, if it's Boston, it's, there's no way it's in their top six. There's I, no conceivable way. And I, but so I agree with you. That that's what I'm saying. Now that the streak is over, he might be willing to ride the bench to where that spoke to be a couple of times next year. Maybe. I don't know. But Either way, we're transitioning into some other comments here. Um, so do you want to start with Kimo Timonen or Jacob Voracek? Uh, we can start with e- either, to be honest. I, d- I do want to make sure that as we do this, as we've done, you know, because we've mentioned certain things on the show before. So I do want to make sure credit goes where it's due. Yeah, to the places where we got where where this stuff was found, because um, the Yandel stuff I have nothing. Yandel is Twitter. I right. Jeremy Yandel Yandel is on just, Twitter. Right. Twitter was a public domain. You know, Jeremy Roenick wants to tweet. Mike Rupp wants to tweet. I I was there. I heard Kevin Hayes say what he said. So right. I, I got no credit to give for any of that. All of that was just out there. Um, the okay. So chemo team and was so both of these things are. Uh, we need to clarify right off the top. Both of these are foreign podcasts. They're both translated documents. Right. So uh, Kimo Timonen has must apparently has a Finnish podcast. Right. With with a, with a co-host who uh, I'm not going to remember who his co-host is. No. You know, forgive me for that one. Uh, so the credit where it's due, by the way, is that so it, the, initially this was translated by Kelly Hinkle for Broad Street Hockey. Crossing Broad picked it up. I'm probably going to have to write something about it eventually because there's more and more that keeps surfacing. Yeah. Like the, the, it almost feels like there's a build up to something even bigger. It's going to explode that we don't know behind the scenes. Because like you're hearing, you, you see, Timonen was the first comment thing of the week. Then Voracek. Then all the stuff with Yandel. And it's like something. It feels like something's just brewing here. We've talked all season that something feels rotten. It feels like oh, there's yeah. something deep in this organization that is a problem. And I, I don't know. We've speculated before. Is it Dave Scott? Is it Comcast? Is it uh, you know above. Bobby Clark? Is it Paul Holmgren? Is it all of the who above? Is it? Where where is it's all of the above? I know. No, it's the whole thing. I know. Um, all right, so let's get into the, the, the problem. And the problem the problem is those are the guys who would have to fire themselves, and that's not happening. Not necessarily, um, but. We'll see. Anyway, so Kimo Timonen is had his podcast, and he mentioned the fact that him and Claude Giroux grabbed some beers after the thousandth game. He mentions that, but he mentioned there were two things that came up. One was all about the Claude Giroux stuff. Yep. That is true, but um, the other part was about the direction of development in the franchise. So I want to pull up both things, or at least try to read through both sections because I'll try to figure out as best I can here. Um, 
So apparently, and, and I kind of like where Kelly started the translation, by the way, because I'm sure this is a way longer episode than what the little segment that uh, right. we're reading is, right? Because um, it it starts actually with something about they must have had a conversation about the Vancouver Ring of Honor. And Teeman and talking about it's the same thing with the Flyers, the retired numbers, but they have the Flyers Hall of Fame. It's the same thing. People don't necessarily get their jersey retired, but they get into the Hall, this Flyers Hall of Fame. Right. He, Timonen gets asked, are you in yet? Or are you in already? He goes, I'm not. I'm not there yet. Are you good enough? I don't know. So they, like, they're like joking around or whatever. Hey, real quick, just quick yes or no, Kimo Timonen, Flyers Hall of Fame. What do you think? Uh, I don't know. It's close. It's, okay. It's, I don't know if he's – like he's not the first name that's not there that I would put in there. I think he's a definite no for jersey retirement. I think he's oh, borderline, for, yeah, borderline sure. for Hall of Fame. The only there's only one guy who's legitimately got a shot to have his jersey retired anytime soon, in my opinion. You you know who it is. It's not happening for a few years, but you know who it is. Who? What? Oh oh yeah yeah yeah. That's not gonna happen for a couple years. Okay, I thought you were talking about somebody from like that early 2000s team. Like, do you think Simone Gagne deserves his number retired? No. Okay. Here's um. the only the only <laughs> other guy I could make an argument for, and he's not even in the Flyers Hall of Fame yet, which I think is a crime actually, but. You could make an argument for Mark Recchi because he is in the Hockey Hall of Fame. Man, I really – so I'm pretty heavily against jersey retirement. But if they want to put eight up there, I don't think I hate it. The only reason – and the only reason I say it is because he's in the Hall of Fame. The majority of his career was spent with the Flyers. You know, if you're going to do that with Mark Howe and Eric Lindros, you're going to do it with – you know, you, you could Fair do enough. it with Mark Recchi. All right, back to Kimo So – he, okay, so actually this stemmed from – this didn't stem from the podcast itself that he's on. Okay. It stemmed from a tweet because he tweeted something about – he must have tweeted something about development. Like the Flyers – I guess that the Flyers need to be looking at younger players. That this is what they need to use this time for. It was something along those lines. He goes back to it and – because the, the co-host says, I saw your tweet, the one where you were giving advice to the organization, and I read the comments. They were already giving you the GM title. Uh, team and in replies and says, of course, I'm following everything now before the deadline. There, so this must have been a little while ago uh, or right around the actual deadline. Right. So like it was right as the deadline passed. Uh, there's all kinds of stuff going around social media. And I was preparing for this podcast episode. And I was thinking for once, I will give my opinion on how things should go in the Flyers organization. They have 19 games left. And if someone didn't see the tweet, I just said it's time to let the young guys play. What right. I mean by that is. That there's Cam York, for example, this young defenseman, and a couple games ago, Keith Yandel was playing on the power play before him. What sense does it make? No his sense. Co- his co-host yell, chimes in, absolutely no sense. Uh, and Timon is still, by the way, so he, this is, I love how the translation, like you can tell they're talking over each other. A little oh, right, because like, it took it took Timo a second. Like, yeah. Timon's next quote goes, now that we're no longer in playoff contention, and he goes, right, no sense. Like, so yeah. he's in agreement. Uh, but he goes, so let these young guys play. Uh, let these young players play the 19 games remaining. And I'm not only talking about Cam York. They have others. Forwards, they should put them in different roles. Like, put Cam York on the penalty kill or match him against elite players so you'll get some idea of what Cam York can do. And at the same time, the players can see where they are at, where they are at on the NHL level, what they need to develop. Yep. Which is kind of what I just said about guys like, hey, listen, at least you get an idea of what the pace is like, right? Right. Um, the Flyers should use these 19 games as evaluation to see where they are as an organization, what kind of players they have picked, and how those players are doing on the NHL level. Uh, because it's a uh, because it's a fact that there's work to do, and there's a lot of it. 
Yeah. So his co-host chimes in. I, yeah, I was just looking at your organization. I love how. Uh, by the way, I love how. I don't it's know if still that, Chemo's organization. Well, I I love how like either that's just a, like because again it's translated. So I want I wonder if it's just a loose translation or if it really is like your and. I wouldn't like, be surprised if if. Uh, Kimo Timonen still refers to the organization very fondly. Oh, I know. Like, I don't know that he has an official title with them, which is funny because he's there a lot. You know, it, it's, it's just funny. Uh, he, so he goes, yeah, I was looking at your org- – his co-host says, I was looking at your organization. Next summer you have a first-round pick but no second-round pick. In 2023 you have a first-round pick but no second-round pick. The, these years are really acute when it comes to building. So per se, your situation is pretty bad if I'm comparing. I just calculated that a normal team has 21 picks in three years. If you have all picks from first to seventh round, you have 21 picks in the next three years. So, for example, the Seattle Kraken have 34 picks in the future. They have a much better situation than you, unfortunately. And team and chimes in. They do. That's how it is. And that's what I mean. That we have tough years ahead. Of course, money has never been the issue, but we can get anyone as long as there's cap space. That's not the problem. But we should. They don't want to use the word rebuilding here at all. But in my opinion, we're at a place where it is it is a fact. Uh, that we have to do it, that we have to do it. But now that you mentioned Seattle, I would count them as a trade deadline winner. I think Ron Francis made a lot of good moves. Uh, They tried to go into the season with this veteran team, half the roster veterans, half younger guys, and they tried to play good hockey in this league. It didn't work out for them. And now they traded all their veterans and just like you said, got 34 picks in the next three drafts, and that's how you build a future. His co-host says, yeah, that's how you build it. They have a clear direction going there. They have a clear direction they're going. You don't really have one, and that's exactly why I'm worried about the Flyers. If your baseline is like, hey, guys, let's fight a little more than we did last season, that's a bad baseline. And Timonen laughs and goes, yeah, no, you don't get very far with that. With that. Um, now they get into the Claude Giroux stuff. Um, his co-host brings up – like, I'm not going to read all this verbatim. I'll, I'll get to the good parts verbatim. But his, his co-host goes like, okay, Claude Giroux deal, you retain 50%. Um, that's done. Uh, you're freeing up. It's done after the season, so you're freeing up eight million dollars. Uh, am I too wild to say that you should buy out James and Reams? Like Teeman goes, I agree. Uh, they probably want to trade him, but the cap hits just too much. There's not any takers. Um, his co-host brings up Kevin Hayes. Uh, he goes, can't really criticize him, uh, knowing what happened to his brother and all the challenges. But there's, but you're still dreading the rest of this contract at seven million per, and he's three C at best. Especially, um, especially if he's. Um a potential bad apple in the locker room. I don't want to say it, well, but he kind of has he that power. Not. I mean, he, who knows? Um, but if he if he rankles too hard off of this Keith Yandel stuff, it could get ugly. Well, so team in, team in his comment back was, yeah, yeah, Kevin Hayes has had, well, like you said, his brother passed away and he had like two or three abdomen surgeries within a year. Um, as a retired player, I know once you start opening those places in the groin and abdomen, they can fix it. But will you ever return to the level where you were? Only time will tell. Uh, and, and then what I'm also kind of worried about with the flyer situation is that everyone who sh- who should be carrying team from now on, they're out. Ryan Ellis, Couturier, well, Hayes just got back, those kinds of players. So I'm a little worried. Going forward, we need to make better picks, get better young players, sure. But all these key players have been more or less out all season. Fair. Um, his co-host chimes in, he goes, and and you need to rebuild the defense in a way because you have Provorov, Ristolainen, Sanheim has a year left in the contract. But what's the status of Ryan Ellis? It's a mystery. Uh, it says, we talked about it before, that he's been able to play a few games. He's a big price, and, but he's not really, no one can say. Um, Tiemann says, what they're saying around here is he's out for the season. Uh, they believe he'll be healthy next season. I said, well, it's good that you believe they need to get him back. Um, they get into the Florida Panthers for a little bit. 
um, talking about how Florida has nine or ten legit NHL defensemen on the roster, and that's what you really need to have. Uh, in this situation, you have Provorov, Ristolainen, and Sandheim, and a whole bunch of nothing is what the co-host says. Heeman says, says, that's true. Like I said, there's work to do, and there's a lot of it. They start to talk about the East. This is where it starts to get interesting with the Giroux stuff because here, here's where Teeman talks about the trade. Right. He goes, this Florida team, Bill Zito did an excellent job strengthening the team. Of course, local, Claude Giroux, a big goal achieved with his 1,000th game, and we went to grab beers after it. It was tough on Claude. He was still crying heavily while we were drinking. He was, so- he was sorry to leave, and he probably never wanted to leave Philly, but that's just how it goes. It's business, the other side of hockey, and when the team isn't in the playoffs and there's no hope, they start trading name, big names and trying to get picks. And if, Claude- any, if anybody understands that, it's Kimo Tiemann, by the and, way. And Claude Giroux got to experience that, and it was tough on him. Um, his co-host asks, did his family go with him? Tiemann says, I'm not for, I, I'm, I don't know for sure, but Florida was the place he wanted to go. Uh, his co-host says he's 34 years old. No matter what happens this spring, I think I think it's very likely that he'll re-sign with the Panthers. Let's say two years and six million, three Man. million per season, and he'll remain in Florida because this team has the window open that uh, they will have it open the next season and even the one after that. And he wants to be in on that. He wants a couple Teeman, years on that tax-free money. Teeman <laughs> says. I see that as one possibility, but the other is he's from Ottawa. His wife yep. is too. And they, they go to Ottawa every summer for a few months. So I'm not ruling out the possibility that if Florida doesn't work out, he'll sign a two, three-year deal with Ottawa and, and kind of settle there too. for the rest of his career. That's probably the other possibility. Um, I Oh, man. I think that becomes way more likely, by the way, if uh, if Florida wins. If he okay. doesn't have a cup, I, I can't see him going to Ottawa. Right. All right. So anyway, hold on a second. So. Teeman gets asked by his co-host, do these things matter? You know these guys better than me. You tell me. And he goes, yes, I think like I think so, yeah, especially with knowing the family. It matters. Okay. Um, I'm trying to get, get keep where it is. Yeah. Uh, uh, so a little, little bit past because they start talking about Austin Matthews and like would Austin Matthews ever consider – I guess would, would, like, would he ever consider Arizona because he's from there? Right. Or do they like? Or do they need to be trending upward for him to go back home? Or how does it work? And Austin and, Matthews and, ain't going to play in front of thirty two hundred people. <laughs> well, hold on here, because here's what it is. Because Teeman said, I don't see, I don't see it. Or Arizona needs to really be uptrending for Matthews to go there at that age. I, I just don't see it. But with Claude, he's thirty four, has two kids, wife from Ottawa. He likes it there. I see it being an option for him after the season, no matter what happens with Florida, that he'll retire at home in Ottawa, where all his family and friends are. Makes I, think, sense. I think at that age, family is the priority. But Austin Matthews, he's 27, and Arizona being where they are right now, I just don't see it happening no matter where home is. So all fair points. Yeah. Um, and also talked about how um, Florida in general with their defensemen getting Robert Haig. He's a good backup for this team. Uh, if someone gets hurt, you can give him 10 to 15 minutes every night. He'll do whatever for the team. Good dude. Uh, ben Sherrod is a good addition. He talks about stuff. He goes, I really like what Florida and Bill Zito did. Um, his co-host. His co-host has a reply like you would have to something that I say because he goes, "I fully agree. This roster is obscene, and it and obscene was italicized, which means it That's was very funny. emphasized." And Tiemann and like goes, "It's pretty tough." And the guy goes, "Absolutely obscene." Uh, He's not wrong, by the way. Explains the co-host says, "Absolutely obscene." He explained. I love how this part's translated, by the way, because there's nothing in it about like exact words for the translation. Right. It just has in there. He explains the giggly Daru comment when he was asked about Barkov. That's funny. Um, and then, then sits there and says, uh, he was put on the line with Barkov and Verhage at practice, so it'd be pretty sweet to see pa- the Panthers on the ice which and Drew working his magic with the puck. And now that Ekblad is out, Drew will get his spot 
at right on power play one. So he has that going for him too. It's really interesting to see how it plays out. Okay, and this is, okay, here we go. Last part, and it gets really interesting. Uh, Tiemann says, and from Drew's point of view, and I know he told me, one day you play your 1,000th game in the same organization. It's tough to do. There aren't many that many guys who have played 1,000 games in one organization. People have played 1,000 games. It's usually spread across multiple organizations. But he said it was amazing, the 1,000th game ceremony. But as soon as the game was over, you know you'll get traded. The whirlwind of emotion, he said, was pretty huge right then. Yeah. And, like, there you go. So all, like, really, really interesting stuff there. Where Tiemann is certainly not wrong about anything. No. And it just makes you question the whole thing. Like, it just makes you question a lot of stuff. It makes you question where they're going and all that stuff. And I do want to shift to what Voracek, at least what Voracek said was a lot shorter. Yeah. It wasn't a full-blown podcast. Well, Uh, no, it was a podcast appearance, but it wasn't something. It was just a podcast appearance, though. You know, it wasn't the whole podcast. So let's uh, try to take a look here if I can, at the whole little transcript that came from the Voracek one. Because this is really telling of what goes on immediately in the locker room. Like, Tiemann hasn't played for a while, and the Drew thing, it was just about, he's sitting here just saying, I don't understand their personnel decisions. You're a team that clearly needs to say, like, you you won't say it, but you need to clearly say we're rebuilding. And if you're going to do that, you, you've, you've done the moves that you need to do to try to get picks. Right. But you need to start showing, like, hey, we've drafted guys in recent years, and we've got to see what we got. Right, so you can't just assume it's a lost cause. The uh, the recurring theme here is former players calling out the organization. In a lot of ways, though. Yeah, I mean, there's and, different ways. Like, but but see, again, two totally different viewpoints because it's a former yes. one former player goes, "You can't be playing like." And and to be fair, Kimo Tiemann didn't say, "Don't play Keith Yandel at all." Right. He didn't even he didn't breach that topic. He's just he sitting just, here going. Don't if be concerned about the streak. No, but he no, but his his point of contention was, if Keith Yandel's in a lineup, but you got Cam York in a lineup, why is Keith Yandel playing on the power play before Cam York? Fair. You need to see Cam York. Yep. It's if, about exposure. If, if Keith Yandel and, is filling out your ro- your playing roster. He's filling out your playing roster. Yep. But give Cam York the number one minutes right now, and they have been for the most part, by the way. But let's go to Voracek. Yeah, Voracek let's... goes on it on a check podcast. There's only four question Q and A's, so this is going to be a quick one. But I will read it pretty much verbatim because there's not a lot to get to. Sure. I'll, so, I'll hit you with the questions. You can answer as Jake. Okay, sure. There you go. You got it in front of you? Yeah. Uh, again, these are translations, so the um, the grammar is a little hmm. – uh, By the way, okay, I should say, this was not translated by anybody like locally, by the way. This was translated from the Czech website that did the interview. Right. And then I'm not going to attempt to pronounce it, but it's H-O-K-E-J dot C-Z. Look, I, I don't know Czech. So I imagine that's hockey. Me. I think that's just hockey in Czech. And it's I, hockey I agree. Um, in Czech. I agree. All right. So anyway. uh, Columbus, a longtime assistant, Brad Larson, took over for Columbus last June after Don Tortorella's six-year. Okay. What does it <laughs> emphasize? Um, he, he goes. He says, Brad Larson is really open, which is probably the best thing you can have with a coach. Compared to recent years in Philadelphia, this is a pleasant change. Already throwing shots. There's the Jake Voracek we That's know right. <laughs> you probably also like your roles a lot. You play the first line, the first power play. He chimes in. I've also played the first power play in Philadelphia. We probably had the same unit there all the time. It was more about that. If you just didn't, if you just don't agree with the coach, it's hard. I don't want to go in. I don't go into the conflict, or I didn't go into the conflict at all. But I think I could. He the bit Flyers his tongue is, in Philadelphia. I um, 
the Flyers decided to take a different path, and I didn't want to interfere there. I left, now G, and, they're, and they are one of the worst teams in the NHL. First of all, they have to look at what mistakes they made, but I don't think they imagined the year they had. Did you discuss Claude Giroux's departure with him? Yeah, we often called before the trade deadline. Leaving after 15 years was hard for him because he always thought he would play his whole career there. Over the last few years, the chemistry outside the locker room has unfortunately been yep. so strange, but it, it has not been within our competence. We can say that under Ron Hextall, we rebuilt the team, even though it didn't look like that, because we made the playoffs and we're so cl- we were so close to the playoffs. Before the COVID started, I thought we played really good hockey. Maybe we could go far then, but that's just the way it is. Put a pin in that. We're going to talk about that specifically when we get done. Sure. What are the circumstances of your trade? Did you talk about the disagreements with Coach Elian Vigno? What was your relationship with Chuck? General Manager Chuck Fletcher. There was nothing that could be done with the coach. His ego was so big that unfortunately there was not much to deal with. Chuck and I talked about it. I had a great relationship with him. After the season, we sat down and told each other that it would probably be best for both parties to move on. I'm glad it turned out the way that way because I'm really happy. And there's, there's the headline everybody took out of it. Uh, Elaine Vino directly associated with the words big ego. Now, this is something that Elaine Vigneault has been accused of in the past. Uh, this is certainly not a new uh, situation for uh, Elaine Vigneault fans. Um, but I do, I do want to start real quick on the previous answer, the, the Claude Giroux, Ron Hextall, rebuild the team answer. Right. Um, that's interesting to me because that almost sounds like I I take that as Jake Voracek giving Ron Hextall credit. They can say we rebuilt the team even though we were still making the playoffs. Like we 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 made these adjustments and we started transitioning to the younger people even though we were still making the playoffs. Right? Talking about right before COVID, they were playing really good hockey. Right. You know, I, I again, this is one of those things I feel like that one got lost in translation a little bit and it's kind of getting glossed over because of the Elaine Vigneault comments. But uh, I, I think that's interesting. I'd like to hear Jake speak in English about that. All right, so here's my take on this one. Yeah. I don't think that Voracek is necessarily wrong. And I, okay. I, mean, and I mean that in the sense that I'm sure Elaine Vigneault has a bit of an ego. You don't win as many games as Elaine Vigneault has won. You don't coach for as long as he has. And not kind of feel a little bit too big for your britches, you know. Like, you, you get this sense of, I'm right, you're wrong, just listen. Uh, right. you know, shut up and listen. I'm going to make the call. I call the shots. I'm the, ki- I'm the, I'm the leader. I'm the captain. You know, like, I'm the captain now. Look yes. at me. I, I needed to, I look needed at to go me. <laughs> If you're I watching guess, on I, our YouTube channel, look at me. Yes, I know. Um, <laughs> um, but I get the sense that, like, like, there's an element of that where he's entitled to that to an extent. Like, yeah, he's been around the block. This is it really makes the case for why I argue against that type of coach coming in if it's not Mike Yo to begin with. Okay. Because because that's the coach that you need to push people over the top. It's a good yes. enough team. That's that's the you motivator want another, you actually to get want another guy. You actually want another guy with a little bit of an ego to right. push that button and go, "Hey, listen, I'm challenging all of you. You know you're better than this. I'm pushing you." Tortorella. Yeah, when they're good, though. Not when they're developmental. 
No, I know. Um, <laughs> I still think that's what's going to happen. I'm not saying I want it, but I think that's I what's going to happen. I can't see. You know what? I can't see them shelling out money because I don't know if you heard the latest Snow the Goalie, too. And it, listen, I don't have a number on it. They didn't have a number on it either. But there's the word is, is that the season ticket renewals are the lowest they've ever been. in. I am 0% surprised. Would you renew your season tickets for this team? No. But Would you buy new season tickets for this team? No, but apparently, well, no. But here's the thing. Not only that, but apparently, it's hard to not renew. Like you yes. have to jump through hoops to not it's to, like, to do it. It's like canceling a cable bill. <laughs> it's it's a yes. But either um, way, uh, but either way. All right. So back to back to this whole thing because. I don't like. I can't see how you would try to because you know what you know what kind of money Tortorella is going to need to be a head coach. I don't know how you can spend yeah. money on it. I don't know how you can spend that money on a coach that you're not bringing in on a nightly basis. Blank checks. I can't go there. Blank checks. I'm again. I'm not saying it's the correct decision. I, Kyle Collington, am not sitting here saying that is the correct decision. I'm just telling you the decision I think the Philadelphia Flyers are going okay. to make. You get well. Guess what? Now guess what. You can't write blank checks if you're not bringing in the money. Comcast can. Comcast is bringing in the money, even if it's not even if it's not from no, hockey not, apps. Not necessarily, because no, because the end of the day, people at, here's and this is Snow the goalie's talked about this a lot, and I agree okay. with this. This is where I'm like, because I'm piggybacking off this because this is a little bit because it is the truth. I don't know if I've ever thought about it from this angle, but because we all think Comcast Corporation, big money, okay, they can do whatever they sure. want. Sure. The thing about Comcast, though, owning the team is, is that there are people in the organization at that point as, as Comcast now, the higher-ups who run Comcast, and shareholders who have a stake in this, who know that the Flyers are part of this entity right? and know what to expect monetarily from them every year. Yeah. So when those numbers dip, you get people who sit there and go, whoa, 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 whoa wait a minute. Why are what's we still going, investing no, in this? What's going on over there? What, right. What's happened that made it go from here to here? Why is everything down? What's the problem? And and they can try to look around the league, and Dave, Cot- Dave, Scott, Cot- Dave Scott can sit there and say, oh, you know, attendance is lower because there's some people with COVID and there's some people with this and blah, blah, blah. And people can just look at an attendance report around the league and go, what's the problem in Vegas? What's the problem in Chicago? Why are they still selling out buildings? What's going on? You know, And the more that what's going on comes up, the more likely that either A, Big changes are made at the top, or B, the yep. blank checks are no longer there. Right, because those organizations still have something to be excited about. Whereas we're right. looking and, at the Flyers and going, if you're a shareholder, what's, you invest what's changing? In, all right, but if you're a shareholder, you're investing in, hey, I expect to get my return yep. because this is what they make every year. And when that stops, when it's the building isn't full and people are not renewing their season tickets, and that's the thing they can't really – right now, that's the thing they need the most – you can sit there and say, oh, not as many individuals are going down on single-game tickets and there's empty seats every night. They don't care about those people per se because of the fact that at the end of the day, they still have 13000 that they've sold already in season tickets. Right. It doesn't matter. And and the people that do show up among that grouping of people still are going and buying what they buy at the games because They're still buying the tw- an $8 slice of pizza and a $12 Bud Light. Or, or just the parking. <laughs> just paying for parking. Yep. But at the end of the day... Like, if that stops and it cuts down, like, I don't know, let's say it goes down by 5,000 people. Let's say they only get 8,000 renewals. Less than half the building is going to be full on a It's going to be ugly. Well, that's not what everybody signs up for at Comcast. Nope. Things so that's get where ugly things in a hurry. Right. 
And so you have two solutions. Saying. You pump money into it or you get out Real of Dodge. Quick, I, know, I know we're trying to get out of here and I want yeah. to finish off on the Voracek thing because we, we turned it to Comcast because of the fact that we said egos and head coaches and things yeah. like that. There's an element of that to me, though. In it, Maybe it was in the second comment, not the third one that you focused on. Right. He talks about, like, how he talks about, it's, I'm gone, now G. Like, why are we focused on those individuals again? There's a lot of individuality. Like, like it's like, they're not like, well, they traded me, and they traded G, and now they're not very good. They're almost at the bottom <laughs> of the league. It's almost like to say, like, hey, we were the best players that they could have had, and we're not there anymore, and look at what they are. Like uh, that's a little, a little that's a little ego of yourself. It's a little short sighted out of Jake. And I, I think I think that's honestly the, the biggest difference between these two conversations that we're talking about is that Kimo Timonen has been retired for a couple of years and has a little bit more kind of hindsight as 2020 going on. Sure. Whereas Jake Voracek is still very much in the league and was in this locker room last year. I think that the key here, though, also when it comes to this is that. Voracek's an outspoken guy, obviously. We've seen that. No. <laughs> I know. That's your breaking news of the day. Right. Um, um, but there's a um, just a sense to me like there wasn't anything in there about they're doing it wrong. There was just a disagreement. But how much – like, well, because there's a lot – first of all, there's a lot of questions because there's a lot of questions of is this just an AV thing or did this happen for his entire career? Like, hey, when you were getting coached by Hackstall, did you feel the same way? How about what, How about Mike Yo as an assistant? Was he that way? Now, a lot of people have said Mike Yo was more of the player's coach. He was the assistant that kind of right. did all the communicating, and that's why people like him, and I get that sense. Like, which kind of – to bring it full circle is why I think it's stupid for somebody to go, oh, Mike Yo's lost all my respect, Jeremy Roenick, because he benched Keith Yandel. I think that the guy probably had the most honest conversation with Keith Yandel that he's had in the last couple of years. That's fair. but And that you don't – like think think about the coach that almost benched him in Florida, by the way. Who was the coach who almost benched him in Florida? Do you know? It was Quenville, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. I, I wouldn't be shocked if there's a little bit of an ego factor there too. No. All right, we're going to wrap this one up. Uh, looking ahead, uh, the Flyers don't really have a whole lot going on. You know, we're kind of in that phase of the season where... Oh, by the way, fun stuff coming up this week because there's a home-and-home home against Columbus. Yeah. That, oh, Jake Voracek's coming to town on Tuesday right after this. Wow. We might be talking about this again next week. We might see if... He might um, have to answer some questions. He might, well, as long as he answers them face-to-face and not in a Zoom conference. As long as somebody's not called the weasel this time. For oh, right. God, I can't wait for Jake's postgame availability. I can't I will not wait. Be at, I won't be at that part of it. How are you it. missing that? Okay. I, I have to go to the other side. and. Anyway. Deal, we, you know, I don't go to the visiting side. I know. Oh, well, we're getting out of here. Uh, we will be back next week. Episodes up, generally speaking, Sunday at 8 o'clock. Um, might be a little different tonight with the game. We'll talk about that. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at YWT Podcast. Follow Kevin at Kevin underscore Durso. You can find the show everywhere you find podcasts. Facebook, Instagram, Podbean, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify. I think we're on Pandora. We're all over the place. We're on make, a lot of stuff. Just find us. Search make sure to find YWT. our – Yep. Do that on YouTube too. Search YWT. Yes. Search you would think on YouTube. We're growing that. Yeah. Quick quick one with – no, quick one with this because – Yeah. Not that people are going to know it before they see it. I, I'm, I'm running the premiere at 6 tonight. Okay. Uh, before the Flyers Rangers game. 
so that we're not like I'm trying to do that more often with the YouTube well, premieres. You know what? If Kevin, if you're following Kevin at Kevin underscore Durso, then you'll find out about it before the show goes live. So, uh, so uh, you know, what? we're gonna we'll, we're gonna tweet it out. Yeah, I, I did it last time too, where I tweeted it out beforehand and. Same thing. I, I, I might have done it last week, too. I don't know if I did. I, I, I don't think I did. But Sounds good. Well, we're going to get on that. We will be around tonight at 6 o'clock. Next week, we'll be around at about 8 o'clock. There's no game next week, and we'll be back next week to talk about it. In the meantime, we'll see you.